in the animated and at times irreverent comedy of my adolescence entitled King of the Hill, the Hill family at one point faces what many of us as Presbyterians would amount to a crisis. They arrive at their church a little late, and when they reached their pew, they saw that another family was sitting in their pew. The Hills tried to explain to this new family that this was their pew. But the family uh, with uh, uh, children wasn't having it, so the Hills had to find somewhere else to sit. Later, Hank, the patriarch of the family, laments to his friends, it's not fair. It's where we've sat for 12 years. Second row, right side, inside aisle. Then he says, it's where God knows to find me. Implying that if Hank wasn't sitting there in his spot, he wouldn't be able to draw close to God. Now, my favorite moment in this exchange, though, happens a little later when he's speaking with his wife, Peggy, who's trying to get him to try the new megachurch down the street that she claims pampers their thousands of members with its own coffee shop, bank, florist, and so on. To which Hank replies, if I wanted to do that, I would just walk around the mall and think about Jesus. Now, I know this is an exaggerated exchange that makes for some good comedy, but like a lot of comedy, there's a twins of truth in it as well. Hank's concern about his pew went beyond the creature comfort many of us as, as good, faithful Presbyterians hold in sitting in the same place each week. It gets to the very heart of how we can be in the presence of God and what it means to worship. Such concerns seem so relevant now, as, as I said a moment ago, as we approach one year into a pandemic that has changed our understanding of worship so much. Due to gathering limitations, worshiping online, outside or inside with lots and lots of precautions, as you all know. And these questions, these concerns, are truly at the heart of our scripture reading today. Jesus, like a good first century Jewish man, heads to Jerusalem and to the temple for the, for the Passover. Notice, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this encounter happens much later, at the end of the gospel, just after Palm Sunday and just before his arrest. But in John, there are three Passovers. Three times, Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, and this so-called temper tantrum, as it's uh, affectionately known, occurs in the first of these trips. So it happens near the very beginning of Jesus' ministry in John's gospel. When he arrives at the temple, though, he responds with righteous anger. What the late congressman and civil rights leader John Lewis might have called good trouble. He goes to those selling cattle and sheep and he drives them out of the temple. He flips the tables of the money changers and tells the dove sellers to get out and stop making his father's house a marketplace. So why were all of these merchants there in the first place? They're there for the Passover. The animals being sold for, uh, were being sold there for pilgrims to purchase and to make a holy sacrifice for the, the observance. And since people were coming from all over, money changers needed to be there to exchange the various currencies. 
The wealthier folks were expected to purchase and sacrifice a cow. Well-to-do folks, but not cattle-rich folks, were expected to purchase uh, and sacrifice a sheep. And finally, the poorer folks could sacrifice a dove or two. It's telling that Jesus chases the cattle and sheep sellers out, but decides to have a conversation with the dove guys. In the categories just named, Jesus was definitely team dove. When presented in the temple in Luke's gospel, his parents purchased two doves to sacrifice. This is the clearest image of Jesus' own socioeconomic status that we have in all four of the gospels. Now, it's a hint that this practice of selling animals carried a sense of injustice with it that served as a barrier for the poorest from fully participating in the worshiping life of the community because they weren't, the poorest in, in the community weren't even able to be uh, with the dove folks. Because of such injustices, Jesus' conversation with the dove sellers, though, is anything but polite. He says, don't make my father's place, my father's house, a marketplace. He quotes the psalmist saying, zeal for your house will consume me. See, tradition and practice in Jesus' time dictated that as a faithful Jew on the Passover, you go to the temple and offer a sacrifice And through these acts, you draw near to God and worship. Like the belief that God can only find us when we sit in a particular place or are in a particular place, Jesus challenges this commonly held practice by causing a scene and chasing them all out of the temple. You can understand why the temple authorities would have been in an uproar because of such a scene. They ask this rogue rabbi to give them some sign that might justify his action. Jesus says, destroy this temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. Okay, now he really seems crazy to these these authorities because the temple had been under construction for decades. Who does this guy think he is to be able to raise it back up in three days? But this is really where we get to the point of the action. Jesus wasn't talking about the building, he was talking about himself, the temple of his body. Jesus, as God's word made flesh, as God incarnate, is the presence of God. There's no need to come to the temple to make a sacrifice. God has shown up and taken on flesh in our world. It's not about location, it's not even about action on our part. It's about God showing up when we approach God in worship and prayer. This is a theme that Jesus will develop throughout the rest of John's gospel. In his conversation with the woman at the well, Jesus will tell her that the hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in spirit and truth, God will draw near to us in worship. Now, friends, I have to note the irony here, as I've been joking with our staff members all week, that on the very week where we're resuming our indoor service, where we invite our community back into our our place of worship, our sanctuary, the lectionary reading for the day is Jesus clearing everyone out of the temple, kicking everyone out of the place of worship. 
And while it's worth a good laugh, it also made me think that this action of Jesus speaks to us today in such a meaningful way. Our congregation has had to adapt in so many ways. In particular, how we come together in worship to draw near to God. Now we find ourselves as a community worshiping in three different modes. Inside, outside, and online. We all have different comfort levels and necessary concerns regarding the pandemic that affect the ways in which we feel safe as individuals and as a wider community. What Jesus' words and action remind us, though, friends, is that no matter how we are able to worship, God in Christ can and will draw near to us to give us peace and comfort like always, send us out empowered to serve. God can and will draw near to us and bring us together in worship and praise, even as we gather in these different ways. The best reminder of this, friends, is when we gather at our Lord's table as we will together momentarily. Because this is the place where God in Christ meets us, not because we are worthy, not because we've taken the proper steps in order to be able to, to be eligible to come to the table, but out of God's deep and abiding love for us in Christ, he invites us here, where we are met and fed by his very life and love. In this act, we are gathered together in God's name. We are reminded that God is not found because we've gathered in a particular place or performed the, the uh, proper actions but rather, when we turn our hearts to God, we're reminded that God can and will show up and feed us, as always, with this life-giving love. May it be so, friends.